Welcome to the Friday Night Clive podcast with me, Clive Payne. In this podcast, we look back at the amazing charities, organisations and people we have chatted to over the past few months, all of whom have interesting and important stories to tell. Once a month, Waldrons uh, come on the programme and they have a legal surgery. And this month, uh, we've been talking to Tasbia Schwab all about probate and wills. And we've touched on this subject before on the programme. Uh, but this is Tasbia's uh, sort of specialist area. And I began by asking her to talk me through what a probate and wills lawyer does. So in, in terms of what I do, so I meet clients on a day-to-day basis and speak to them about um, you know their will and what would what they would like to include and just give them advice regarding how best to do that you know we come across a lot of different people different circumstances different family circumstances so it's really a case of really tailoring our advice to to them um, and how we can help them um, you know with their will um, powers of attorney that they may want um, and then if they did sadly pass away then just helping their loved ones through the process of dealing with their estate and providing that support and advice throughout so it's really a case where I may see a client and and I did see a client earlier this year regarding his will and his circumstances and now he's sadly passed away so now I've had a meeting with his children regarding his estate so we really do see it through to that end and i mean what what's the earliest age that we can make a will um i normally ask two questions have you got family and have you got money and if you say yes and yes and you're over the age of 18 then you prepare a will effectively um so so how, how important is it to actually make a will would you say it's very important just to make sure that your wishes are on paper. Um, so a lot of people just assume that if anything happens to them, um, that what they would like will happen. But the only way to really guarantee that is to make a will. Is it safe to assume then that for two people who are either legally married or in a civil partnership, if they haven't got a will, does their and one of those people die? Do their do their assets automatically pass to their you know husband or wife or civil partner? They may, depending on how they hold assets. So, um, if they do hold property jointly or joint bank accounts, it may be the case that it passes automatically to that that surviving um, spouse or partner if they are named on there as. Um, as the owner or the account holder Um, but sometimes you know often is the case that that might not happen and the intestacy rules which are like the default government rules um, as to who receives what in the event that there's no will um, has a fixed fee for a surviving spouse of £270,000 so that's first £270,000 goes to the surviving spouse and the rest is then split between let's say if there's children and then the spouse so they're not guaranteed the full estate if anything happened and there was no will effectively. I mean to, to die intestate as you just said that is messy for for you know people who who are left behind if you like particularly where people are not married and not civilly partnered um 
because that's also a headache for um, a solicitor like yourselves. What happens then? So, you know, we have, let's say, um, let's say someone's passed away and the children have come to us and said that there's no will. Um, first of all, it leaves kind of a, it leaves a lot of questions for them and, a, you know, they're in a grey area to say, okay, what's actually happening because we don't, we don't see any will, there's no wishes on paper. So then we have to talk to them about the intestacy process and say, okay, we'll have to apply so that you can deal with, you know, your dad or mum's estate um, without um, a will effectively. Um, it may be a longer process because a lot of the times um, when someone passes away without a will, they have to apply by post and they can't apply online. So it, it means that it's a longer process um, and it just means that there's more questions for them to ask and it leaves them in a little bit of a you know a gray area for us to kind of advise on but it is it is doable but it just means that they don't have that clear direction that a will would provide roughly what's the cost involved in uh, making a will through a firm such as waldron's and um, so our costs start from 260 pounds plus VAT for a single will um and they're obviously greater if it's husband and wife or greater if the wishes are a bit more complex etc but we are happy to meet with you know the clients discuss their circumstances and then if they wish to proceed then that's up to them but the first meeting is effectively no obligation and no fee okay fair enough so that that's nice and easy but it's certainly worthwhile everybody doing as you say if if the person has money um and they have you know children and, and other assets Yes, correct. So, you know, over the age of 18, they have family and they have money. I would say you should look at getting a will. Okay. I want to come on to lasting power of attorney in a moment, which you mentioned at the very beginning, and deputyship. Um, so I'll, I'll come on to that in a second. But let's just talk a little bit about the Court of Protection. Tell me about what the Court of Protection does. So the Court of Protection is basically a specialist court um, and it makes decisions regarding people who lack mental capacity to make those decisions for themselves. So it's quite a niche court. Um, they're, they're based in, in London. And um, what it effectively does, amongst other things, is appointing other people um, to make decisions on behalf of people who lack capacity to do so. So this person may be related to the person who lacks capacity, um, known as P, um, or it may be a local authority or a solicitor firm, etc. So it's an, appointing another person to make decisions regarding primarily finances it could be health as well um, for someone who can't make decisions for themselves so how does that differ then from a lasting power of attorney because isn't that an appointment appointment of, of people or persons for that and um, so the, the main difference or the first difference is the capacity element of it so a lasting power of attorney is something that you prepare when you have capacity so you make it while you have capacity and you prepare those documents and you're aware and you understand what you're doing and what it involves, etc. In 
applying that to the the court of protection you would only apply to the court of protection when that person has lost capacity so they no longer can make decisions for themselves and that's you know the first let's say difference the second difference is that well choice really so the the individual making the lasting power of attorney who has the capacity understands what a lasting power of attorney is and what it involves is choosing those people that they know that they can trust to make decisions for themselves whereas applying that to a court of protection the court is making that decision for that person um and so you know it may be someone that the the p wouldn't ordinarily choose it may be like i said a local authority because they've gone into care and they don't have any family it may be a solicitor firm we we act as deputy so that the actual word for appointing someone is deputy basically um so so yeah um you know that's the the key differences between a deputy um and lasting power of attorney so really a lasting power of attorney as you say is applied for when the person um has capacity and that is clearly better i think from having to go down the court of protection route but as you say somebody may not have a lasting power of attorney and then lose capacity and i guess that's where the court of protection comes in that's correct um so i recently had a meeting whereby someone has um advise that their loved one has lost capacity they can't find a power of attorney and um, they don't believe there was a power of attorney and effectively we have to now apply to the court to get access um so that this you know my client can be appointed as deputy but you know the timing of it so another key difference is the actual time frame so a power of attorney has to be registered before it can be used but it takes about five six months with the office of the public guardian Mm. whereas the court process uh, and anything involving the court as you know takes considerable time but i normally say as a minimum about 12 months so Mm. you just see a clear difference there so um When looking to appoint lasting power of attorney or attorneys, um, how does that work? That's something that Waldrons can advise and facilitate. Uh, And I know in some cases the individual can deal with that themselves. Uh, But what sort of people should we be looking for for our attorneys and what can they um, have attorneyship over? So with powers of attorney, there's two types. There's a health and there's a finance so the health decisions, um, you know, can range from if you're in hospital and you require treatment, you don't have capacity, or <clears throat> you're requiring care, um, you're in a care home, decisions regarding that, um, or, you know, you're, let's say, in hospital and you're needing emergency treatment and operations, etc. So really, you know, specific to your, your, your care, your health needs. The finance is you know covering bank accounts that you have uh investments your property so the power of attorney can cover all of that so it can give the attorney the power to even sell your home if need be so it's quite a wide ranging you know authority so i normally say to to clients it's 
it comes down to you know who you trust to make those best interest decisions for you so the attorney has an overriding sort of responsibility to make any interest any decision in your best interest Mm -hmm. that's their responsibility so whoever you think at that time that can make those decisions and i would recommend more than one person um, just so there's sort of checks and balances in place so that if one person is making let's say not a a sensible decision you've got a second person to say hang on you know let's rethink this um so let's say if it's the husband and wife and children they may wish to appoint each other and then the children as well um and you know as long as it's they think that that's sensible because everybody knows their own individual circumstances the best really so it's for us to say you know have a think about who's closest to you and who can make those best interest decisions for you now, last year, I mean, I'll freely admit to you, last year, um, I refreshed my will because it hadn't had a refresh for a while, mm-hmm. uh, and a while being some years. Uh, and I now have lasting powers of attorney in place as well. And I've done it. I'm glad that you've actually said what you said because it proves I've done it correctly. I've got four attorneys, two for health, two for finance. Mm-hmm. Um, so f- for the reason that you, you've just explained. And for people listening, thinking, oh, you know, I can't be bothered with this. Oh, I'm too young. Any of these circumstances can happen to any of us at any time, can't they? Yes, I mean, it's very, you know, that's very true. The the circumstance that I told you earlier about um, the client that I'm advising mm-hmm. regarding, um, she's, she, you know, she's young and um, she's single and was, you know, in a full-time job, um, living by herself, managing everything by herself. And I think, you know, I think maybe she thought that nothing would happen. And unfortunately, she got taken ill, hospital, you know, there six months now um, and capacity completely uh, deteriorated. And now it's left, you know, her loved ones in, in in a difficult position. So I think it's one thing that you just never envisage, but... I think you do have to be prepared for worst case scenario and just give yourself that peace of mind to say, well, if anything does happen, I know I'm covered. I think as well we have to put ourselves in the position of our loved ones because they're the people that have to deal with it. Yes, um, you know, you have to think, if anything happened to me right now, have I got something in place to make sure that, that my loved ones can carry on you know, managing my affairs mm. and with with little difficulty, you know, they may have to do a few things with the power of attorney to make sure that it's in place and it can be used, but it, it would save them having to go to the court of protection and wait, you know, a year or more to get access to, to your funds, really. But again, you know, additional permissions required from the Court of Protection for things like gifts and inheritance tax planning. Um, that can sort of add time and cost to things as well, can't it? Yes, yes. So the, the, the powers for deputies are more restricted than attorneys simply on the basis of, like I said, the choice mm. earlier. Um, you, as um, we call them a donor, basically, that makes powers of attorney, but the individual making the power of attorney is is choosing who to apply, you know, to make those decisions for, for them. But the court who's putting this deputy in place, there's no choice 
for the individual for for p so the, res the the powers are restricted so if there's anything extra that needs to be done or any particular um, matter like inheritance tax planning like making gifts like selling the individual's property it requires an additional application each time again with the time frame additional cost an application fee by itself is 371 pounds that's without a solicitor fee involved so you it does make it more sort of there's more checks and balances involved more costly more time involved um and so the, the only way to really avoid that is to have a power of attorney and what's the cost for a power of attorney or a typical cost and um, the, the, the typical cost is start from six hundred pounds plus VAT um, for, for for us for Walgreens, and then there's a registration fee of eighty two pounds. Um, so that's with the power of attorney. Um, the deputy costs we normally charge a fixed fee of nine hundred and fifty pounds plus VAT, mm -hmm. and there's also, like I said, the three hundred and seventy one pounds application fee you have to get a medical assessment done um, in order to prove that that person lacks capacity and that may also incur additional charges. We normally say up to £200 it could cost to get an assessment done, um, which are notoriously difficult these days because we're finding that it's difficult to to get a GP to do it. So we may have to go private basically to get a medical assessment, which could be you know, four or five hundred pounds basically. Gosh. Um and then on top of that, once a deputy is appointed, there's annual sort of supervision costs that are payable to the Office of the Public Guardian. So they're payable as well, um, on an annual basis. So it's an ongoing sort of cost basically. So, from what I'm gleaning from you, then um, a lasting power of attorney is is the better way to go. Um, and I know that sounds a lot financially, you know, a, a, a sizable cost. However, you're allowing a solicitor to actually do everything for you. And once it's done, it's done, and it's better for you as the individual and for your appointees as well. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I normally say in terms of the cost um the cost is is the cost you can look to reduce it if you wanted to go ahead and prepare powers of attorney online by yourself um that is something that a client can choose to do i normally say you know at your own risk because it is quite <laughs> you have to uh, make sure that you do everything sort of to the t and follow instructions but if you did that you'd only have to pay the app the, the registration fee of £82. Um, I mean, a lot of clients, they come to us to make sure that everything's done, you know, correctly and um, they get the advice as well, which you don't get online. Um, you only get, obviously, when you speak to a, a solicitor. Um, but it definitely gives you that peace of mind and I don't think any amount of money, you know, is in, in terms of even if you didn't do it, let's say, and save that little bit of money, I'm sure your loved ones would think, I wish they'd just spent a little bit of money and, gave it <laughs> and had it in place. It would have just saved us a whole heap of trouble. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So for anybody listening who doesn't have a will or any kind of lasting power of attorney, what would you say to them? 
I would just say that have a chat with us and it's no obligation. So if you did want to proceed um, or you, you did or you didn't, then obviously entirely up to yourself, but at least get the ball rolling and really consider it and, and get it in motion. And you'll probably find that once you have a chat, you'll just think, let's, let's get it in place and let's get it done. And then, like you said, you've had a refresher now, so every five to ten years you can, you can review the position, but it just gives yourself that peace of mind. Sure. Where can we find out more information, Tasbia? And it's our website, um, the, the Waldron Solicitors website. Um, we've also got, uh, a, I believe, a, a LinkedIn page as well. Uh, we, we are working on a new website, so that's coming shortly. But, um, yeah, the website's the main sort of source of information. And for anybody who isn't an internet user, what's the telephone number, please? Um, so it's 01384 811 811. 01384-811-811. Tasbia Schwab, thank you very much for talking to Friday Night Live. That is your lot for this episode. You can catch the programme live every Friday night on Black Country Radio from 6 o'clock p.m. And if you like our podcast, please subscribe by heading to blackcountryradio.co.uk forward slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. See you very soon. This is a Black Country Radio podcast presented by me, Clive Payne, and produced by Andy Caddick.